Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 89 of the Mind Body Musings podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Moon, and we're here today to talk with the beautiful Chloe Elger. Chloe is a holistic nutritionist, writer, speaker, natural food chef, and self-taught food photographer. She is globally recognized for her work and her words on eating intuitively, living consciously, and her blog and business, Chloe's Countertop. Elger hosts workshops and VIP days in Dubai and Vancouver, which include work on the psychology of eating, healing disordered eating, and energy medicine. Her work in holistic nutrition is the driving force in inspiring others to travel, live a life of love, and to be their own hero. Chloe also includes elements of food photography and creative writing into her workshops and practice. Chloe writes for her blog, Chloe's Countertop, and other related publications on the topics of the psychology of eating, holistic nutrition, healing eating disorders, creative nonfiction on her life, and spiritual medicine. This episode was wonderful, such a treat to talk with Chloe. As you'll hear, we got to go to a Dubai coffee shop today and pretty much sit in the coffee shop with Chloe and have an awesome conversation. It was really cool. Um, So before we head on over there, the review of the week comes from Michaela Grace, and she says, informative, excuse me, and so encouraging with five stars. I love listening to different perspectives and thoughts from guests on the show, but I especially love listening to Madeline's take on true health. She has a beautiful way with words, and I'm so glad there's someone like her in this industry to teach balance both mentally and physically. Thank you, Michaela. Thank you so much. That I appreciate that. I appreciate every single one of these reviews. Um, I know that uh, we've talked to each other on Instagram a few times, so I really appreciate that you doing that and putting that on iTunes. All right, enough announcements for today. Let's head on over to the show. Welcome to the Mind Body Musings Podcast, the show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon, a former fitness model gone sane and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more insight on how to stop food and exercise from controlling your life, check out her website, maddiemoon.com, and grab your free guide. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I am here with Miss Chloe. I am so excited to talk to her. We have been trying to get this thing scheduled for a while now, and she is in, correct me if I'm wrong, Dubai, I believe? Yeah, that's right. right. That's amazing. So she's in Dubai, and her internet's not working so well in her um, home, so she's doing this interview from a cafe. So let's all just pretend like we're in Dubai in this cafe together having this awesome interview (laughs) session. Um, So how are you doing, Chloe? Yeah, everything's good. I mean, it's been an interesting um, past couple months just with um, preparing to move from Dubai and actually relocate to Seattle. Um, But it's also been really great because I, uh, about six months ago, decided to leave my full-time job and fully do Chloe's countertop. So it's also been like a big, you know, leap of faith and just going for it and believing in myself. So um, the past six months have been pretty crazy. Also got engaged. So there's just like a lot of things that I've been planning and getting things. And I know that, you know, um, just like your background that you tend to have, I tend to have this kind of need to 
plan things really well and like make sure that they're perfect and that kind of thing. But at the same time, it's also about allowing yourself to just go in the moment, like this whole cafe conversation, just allow whatever happens to happen and practice that self-kindness because it, it is, it's life. Like life, life can sometimes be hard. And it's one of the things that I really work on and try to um, practice with my clients as well as like this forgiveness and kindness to yourself. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting. Yeah, that was beautifully said. And that's a great example, like going with the flow. I myself am a very, uh, everything has to be in its place. Everything has to be orderly. Like it has to be what I expect it's going to be. And then when I get thrown off, sometimes I'm like, what? This was not a part of my OCD perfection plan. And (laughs) I have to just like chill out and remember like, it's okay. Um, Everything happened. I believe everything happens for a reason. And that's part of the fun. It's something new. It's something different. It's not always the same thing every single day. So it is good to be able to see those moments in life where you can just like chill the heck out and be okay with it. Absolutely. I think that it's it's such a it's something that really came up for me preparing for this talk because I was trying to like everything in my life I always try to think about how to make it special and unique and like how to connect with the person that I'm speaking to or the audience if I'm speaking to them. And there's always the same lesson, which is that, you know, let it go, stop planning, just be who you are in that moment and you don't need there's nothing to figure out. There's nothing to it's the theme, nothing to control. It's just about just being who you truly are in that moment and that everything will be fine if you trust that. So exactly. again, the lesson comes around. <laughs> exactly. So let's go ahead and go into your background, your story, how you got to where you are today, how you became Chloe's countertop. Yeah. So um, my story is pretty interesting. I um, was born in Canada, but when I was four, I moved to Malaysia because my dad is in the oil and gas industry. So we relocated and became expats when I was really young um, and was in Malaysia for uh, 13 years until moving to Vancouver for high school. So I was always around this kind of business expat lifestyle. Um, And when I moved to Vancouver, I went and did my degree in psychology and again, was kind of like looking for my purpose in life and trying to figure out what it was that would make me special. Um, but something that was always a common theme in my life was health and wellness. I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional family, um, and it's kind of something that I'm still wrapping my head around. It's something that I work with with my clients, and it's also part of my story, but it's just accepting that um, my family wasn't perfect and that a lot of the time I kind of took on a lot of the issues um, as my own issue, and that was part of why I think I developed eating disorders at such a young age. Um, but moving to Vancouver, again, it was like this whole trying to uh, control things and be perfect. But a lot of it was just this development of a big obsession with health and wellness. Um, so I went uh, to, I was looking at becoming a um, food, a chef, a culinary, going to culinary school. Um, but part of my problem was that I really had a big issue with um eating animal meat and working with animal meat because I had just recently kind of become a vegetarian. So I was working in Whole Foods and someone had brought me to holistic nutrition. And I kind of talk about this in my ebook, but at first I was really um, judgmental of it. And it's, it's part of it was that my mom was very spiritual growing up. And um, 
I think I kind of looked at it as weakness at first. It was like, oh, a holistic nutritionist, it's like hippie and not a worthy degree. Again, kind of this perfectionist controlling was coming in. Um, but I, funnily enough, within two weeks, I was in the office of the general manager and, you know, had the meeting to go to start the schooling. So I started that and that was really the biggest shift in my life because um, I grew up with eating disorders um, and up until that point I they were really what were ruling my life um, and it was when I started to change my relationship with food and un start to become aware of the underlying reasons why I had them and why they were controlling me that um, my life completely changed and that was kind of when Chloe's countertop was developed. It was just such a huge gift for me to suddenly be able to finally allow myself to heal and therefore embrace, you know, what I'm, what I've been here to do, um, which is to, you know, be, be a healing source for other people. But when I was sick myself, I was never able to, to get out of my own way and do that. So, and that's when Chloe's countertop kind of started to, was, was, um, was developed. And that's such a beautiful story. I love how that just came to be organically through your passion. And let's go back before we talk about um, how you, how being a holistic nutritionist helped you with your relationship with food. Let's talk about like that eating, those eating disorder days. What, how did that start? How did your personal eating disorder start? And, and if you don't mind sharing, what did you have? Yeah, so I, it was probably when I was around 11 or 12 years old that I started to, um, become really, um, you know, obsessive about the way that I looked. And it's something, when I, when I think back about it, it's, I always have this one image in my head of a, a memory when I was um, sitting on my mom's bed and she was kind of going through her closet and cleaning up her closet and she was putting on, trying on different clothes and that kind of thing. And she just continued to like fidget at her clothes and I just sat there and watched her really pick her body apart and really hate it. And I remember just feeling so um, upset and confused and wondering why I couldn't help her. Um, so that was kind of when that, I believe, started to develop in my mind. Um, you know, they say when your first role models and mentors in your life are your parents. Um, so t you tend to learn a lot of your belief systems and, and behaviors from them, just from observing. So part of that was um, part of the development. The other thing was that my parents did have a very dysfunctional relationship. So I, was, I grew up around a lot of um, fighting and conflict and emotional abuse. So for me, that in itself was really difficult to witness my parents constantly be both in pain. And because I am such an empathetic and sensitive person, I really, at a young age, put myself in the middle and just felt like it was my responsibility and my duty to not only take care of them, but to also kind of be their therapist and their healer. Um, so that really brought in that whole um, element of control, which I think was very supportive of, of a development of an eating disorder. So when I was about 12, I became anorexic and a lot of it was just this incessant need to starve, starve myself and control what I was eating because that was the only way that I could feel good in my life was to control, you know, what was go in and out of my body. Um, which then further developed into bulimia, that I, which I had for a long time, till probably I started to be went to school to become a holistic nutritionist. Was this something that you felt comfortable sharing with your parents about, or no? 
Mm, I, th- I think because, not really because I was because I really felt like I needed to take care of them. Me being expressive about my pain um, wasn't really an option because I, I constantly felt like I needed to put my stuff aside and take care of everyone else. So I was really um, in the dark. With everyone else was in the dark for a long time about my um, issues, and because it. I didn't lose a drastic amount of weight for a while. It was it didn't seem physically like something was that wrong with me, but in terms of my um, emotional relationships, my anxiety, the way that I was talking to people, the way I started to slowly, you know, remove myself from social situations. Um, I think my family started to catch on, but at a young age, my dad in the oil and gas industry, he was never there. So for him, he didn't really have much insight into what was going on. And I think for my mom, because it was so much of a reflection of what she also had going on within herself, you know, it's like you you don't always notice what's going on around you unless you're aware of it within yourself. So I think that was kind of why it was difficult for my parents to, to manage it or to even notice it. Mm-hmm. This is a tricky question, a tricky-ish question, I guess. But for parents that are maybe going through something that, you know, it sounds like your parents went through, like dysfunction in their family. Is there any Mm -hmm. way they can avoid, say, like causing this type of control mechanism within their kids? Like, is there anything you wish your parents would have done differently that would have avoided you going through anorexia and bulimia? Is there anything they could have done? I think with kids, it's really important to make sure that they know that, their their lives and their issues are not the kids responsibility i think you know kids they want to they want their parents to be happy and they want their parents to feel love so that they if if you see your parents in pain your automatic response is to want to take care of them or to help them but it's it's definitely the kind of situation and i think i've recognized this a lot in some of my clients and people that i speak to that um they tend to take on their their parents' problems and just immediately feel like it's it's their responsibility to take care of it. Um, but the the thing is to really, you know, vocalize with your children that their lives are separate and that you don't need to parent your parents and that actually you are the child. Um, so to really like make those roles clear and to 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 be to be aware of how the you know the lines could be getting crossed. Mm-hmm. That's really good advice. And I would assume that a child would be able to understand that as well. Like, it is not their fault. Sometimes I'm like, would a, would a kid really understand what fault means? Like, would they really yeah. understand that it is not their doing? Or is that something easy for them to grasp? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's just, it's all really confusing when you're a child. And you, you immediately, depending on your personality and who you are, you can, I mean, it's like, it's interesting, my brother, he didn't develop eating disorders. He's a different person. So he dealt with it in a different way. Um, so everyone deals with things differently. And I guess a lot, one of the things that I've noticed with eating disorders is that there tends to be usually a common sort of personality trait um, or people tend to be similar in the way that they deal with things, their coping mechanisms. Um, you know, so but as children, I think it's, it's not easy to know, yeah, like what you say, what does fault actually mean? Um, and not actually being able to recognize if you're taking on the responsibility of your parents or not because you're just trying to help them, basically. Mm-hmm. As an adult, how have you learned to 
let go of feeling like you have to be in control because that is the biggest issue for so many people. Like that is the um, repeating issue for all my clients. That's the issue. That's what caused me to go through this spiral of disordered eating. How have you learned to let go of the need to control? Yeah, it's, it's so interesting because what I've constantly learned is that it is a daily practice Um, The second that you think that you're healed or you've evolved or you're enlightened or you've gotten rid of, you know, your patterns, that's when you know that your ego has kind of come in and you're, you're placing judgment or you've figured it out. And that's where control comes in. So the idea is to really just constantly practice humility and recognize that it will come up that you want to control things um, and that you get attracted to things that, that, represent control to you but that's okay and it's it's totally fine because that's just part of what's it's it's like an ingrained belief system and it's like when you have a belief system you really have to work hard at reaching into the subconscious and making and you know looking into the internal language and bringing it to your conscious so then you can slowly and gradually start to re you know transition the way that that belief system actually works um and one thing that i was told by one of my mentors a long time ago when I was working through, um, you know, my, she's a medical intuitive and we talked a lot about the relationship with my parents. A lot of it is about, um, you know, with people in your life when you feel like you need to help them or heal them, whether it's parents or friends, family relationships, teachers, what have you, is to, um, you know, let go of trying to change them or control them and truly just work. And it's, it's kind of like Muhammad Gandhi, be the change you wish to see in the world. Like, work on yourself and the people that are you know connected to you closely connected to you will most probably shift as well and it's you know it's it's a subconscious shift that you can't control with your mind so I think that that for me when I learned that was like okay I can I can't control this and I can actually just continue to live my life and let it go and it will be okay And when I did that, it was really interesting to notice actually like the shifts in my relationships um, with my parents specifically. And I like even I was like, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe that this is actually (laughs) happening, Um, you know, because you hear people you hear advice a lot and you always think, well, that's not going to work for me. Or, you know, your control, your control mechanism says like that's obviously not going to be successful. But when it actually starts to happen in your life, it's, it's like, well, you can't really doubt that. What are some of the control mechanisms? I wouldn't say control, but what are some of the coping mechanisms that you now have in place instead of turning to weight loss that have filled you up with long lasting, like satisfaction? (laughs) Um, I guess, I mean, it's, it's probably a lot of it actually, interestingly is around food for me. Um, because as a nutritionist, I not only just appreciate food for for the nourishment that it brings you, but also from the nutrition. But I also just really genuinely love to um, you know offer people food and make food for people because then it, in that turn it makes me feel really good. So when I'm noticing myself um, going into a space of wanting to control to control or you know speaking bad to myself. I usually will just redirect my attention to someone else, whether that's if I'm working with someone or speaking to someone about their problems or their issues. And it really quickly, um, you know, gives you perspective on how small or how unimportant that 
feeling or thought is compared to what is actually, you know, someone else's. For me, because I really do get so much energy and love from helping other people, it was when I was able to, like I said before, like remove myself from the situation and allow myself to be in, in that place of healing that it's been so rewarding. Yes, exactly. I know that feeling. It's like when exercising and weight loss is the only thing that you have going on in your day and in your life, it's the only thing you're looking towards, then of course it's going to be really hard to break away from it. But when you start to realize that there's something bigger in the world and you can be a part of making that happen, aka serving the world, um, being a, a positive influence in other people's lives, so much power comes with that. I remember I started this podcast like I guess now almost two years ago for just one reason I wanted to be able to interview this one person that like really influenced me and and I wanted to be able to get insight from him and like a podcast is a great way to do that to say hey I have a podcast will you get on so I can ask you a million questions right um and so I created it for that but then I realized in the process like as I started to talk to more people I would get more questions, you know, sent my way. My healing happened with helping other people. If I had not started this podcast, if I had not started coaching people and like reaching out to awesome, like people like yourselves to come on the show and speak, you know, words of wisdom to my audience, like I don't know where I'd be right now because it furthered me so much in my life and ultimately created pretty much like what I do and who I am today because. Mm-hmm healing other people, helping other people is the most uh, impactful thing you can do for your own journey, in my opinion. Totally. I I mean, I 100% agree. And I think one of the big parts of it is to kind of, you know, usually when you're recovering from something, the standard way to go about it is to look at it as that was bad. So now I need to find better things to do. But I think the idea is to not to stop attaching any judgment to to what was happening or what did happen and to instead, you know, just kind of turn it around or or make it a little bit less heavy. So it's like you the the reason why you were such so successful as a fitness model and all these things is because you have that tenacity and that commitment and that really intense energy that allows you to do something so powerfully. So it was, you know, as 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 soon as you allowed yourself to to be that true person without the attachment of what it created, you've now been able to use that in what you're doing now, which is incredible. And and it's you know it's really clear by just checking out the amazing conversations that you have. And it's similar to me. It was like I um, the the way that I was with my, with my parents. It was destructive for me because it was too close and it wasn't something that I needed. Um, and it was also coming coming from a place kind of of, of a victim. So when I was able to re- realize that and release it, I now realize that I actually do a lot of the things that I did for my parents, but now I'm doing it for other people in a more nourishing way for myself as well. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. I love that. So here's a question for you in regards to you know bulimia. And a lot of people that I, I hear from ask me how they get rid of the fear that they're going to revert back to those days. Like Mm -hmm. these people have learned how to approach food without judgments. They've learned how to accept their bodies, you know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe there are some still, still some judgments being held towards food and themselves and the act of eating, but 
besides that, what kind of advice would you give someone who has had bulimia in their past? They have worked through it. They haven't had any kind of binges in years, but they just always have that little thought in the back of their head when they approach something sweet or something salty, like don't overdo it, only eat this much, Mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, I know shedding the judgments is so important not to have those rules before you go into having the food, like not having only eat this much or you're bad, you know, but mm-hmm. how do you get rid of that identity that you hold so much, you know, fear towards? Yeah, absolutely. And this is definitely something that I talk about with my clients a lot. It was super helpful for me is um, again, it, it is about, it's about the attachments that we put to things. Um, so, you know, when I was, quote unquote, recovering from bulimia, um, what I really feel was when I was able to kind of release it was when I stopped um, telling myself that I was recovered or that I couldn't, could never do it again or that I needed to get rid of it. Because when you, when you put that sort of, you know, meaning or value into something, it has some, it has power over you. It, it, it's so, it's like, when I finally was just, I just decided, like, if I have a bulimic episode, that's okay. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean that everything is lost and it's part of this whole control mechanism. It's like all or nothing. Um, so it was just, it was just like making it a lot less heavy. And it's like with clients, I say, if you want to, if you're craving something, eat it. Like, don't think about it. Don't make, don't make a story about it. Don't try to eat something else and then you end up, you know, eating it after. Just allow yourself to eat it and then move forward. And we tend to make dramatize, like humans love to dramatize everything. It's like, no, but I, you know, this happened and like, if I don't do this, then I, then I'll be this way. It's just like, just allow what happens to happen and, and don't, and remove the judgment and the attachment that you've created. And again, it's about this belief system. It's like, if I... I'm not bulimic, then I am this, and then I'm healed. But it's like, your behaviors don't define you. What you eat doesn't define you. It's just an action. You're a much deeper, um, more, there's much more to you than that. So it's just like recognizing that, I think. Oh, yeah, that was the most perfect answer I could have ever asked for. (laughs) Great. Really, that like hit the nail right there on the head. Because whenever I think about like, you know, people who, who do reach out to me, it is that fear of like not being able to say they're recovered anymore. That's the scariest part of all of it. And that's just another label. That's Mm -hmm. no better than saying like, you know, I am a clean eater and like having fear of not eating anything clean, because if you break that clean eating label, then you're a failure. And it's the same thing to go with this. It's like, putting that label on yourself, I'm recovered, you know, and then like if you do anything outside of those those borderline boundaries that you set for yourself in your mind that you made up, then you're no longer on that road. And and then that's yeah. when you're like, well, I might as well just continue to hurt myself or, you know, you know, indulge in this pain that I'm feeling instead of feeling okay with getting out of it and being like, all right, that was one action that I've done in my day out of like 200 different actions and that's okay I'm moving on because I am still me I am not defined by this process I'm not defined by which stage of healing I'm in and we all make action like make choices and and do actions every single day that may not be the most beneficial to us but it doesn't mean that they're bad or they're good or or this and that and getting rid of that mentality altogether totally 
and then and the other thing is that when you kind of allow that to happen and you stop creating that drama around it, then you actually give space to then understand and discover what is beneath that. So it's like, why is that urge coming up? And then you, and you know, over time you become, bring more and more awareness to it. It becomes less and less heavy. So it's like, again, it's a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. And it's it, like I said, it's, it's a practice. Right. You never get rid of these things. You never get rid of your memories um, of, you know, it's just a lot like allowing them to be there. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, fully recovered is never something that I put on myself because I don't yeah. like what is recovery? Like what? <laughs> I don't even know. I'm just like, I, all I know is I'm doing good and I like the yeah. way that my life's going and that's all that matters. And yeah. when people like, you know, when I write articles and they're like recovered, you know, eating disorder, oh, orthorexic, yeah. whatever. I'm just like, well, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I still struggle all the time, but yeah. I just know how to manage it differently and I don't judge myself for it. And I love my struggles because they help me to understand what my listeners are going through. Like, totally. it's so funny now when I have a problem, I'm like, like about um, six months ago, six months ago, I was going to like this like major like IBS thing. And I was like, super painful all the time and I was like yes like IBS something I can write about and talk about and like help people like get through because I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to my show that have gone through orthorexia have IBS and like now we can totally I can totally help them with guests that know about this stuff and it's like those struggles that come out of what I've gone through it can now help me to understand people more and I'm sure the very same goes for you and your clients yeah absolutely I mean you just hit it right on there it's like you're just shifting the perspective it's like imagine if every situation that we went through with our bodies we just gave it that sort of light and it's like I always say that um everything I went through the dysfunction in my family the pain depression anxiety bulimia it's all been such a huge gift because if I did not go through that I may not have Chloe's countertop which is literally like I can't imagine my life without it I love it so much I love being able to do what I do so it is a gift. And when you start, when you're able to recognize that and look at things in your life, like IBS problems in that way, like, Oh, that allows me to connect with other people. Like that's beautiful. Um, I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. What did that process look like for you then when you were going from, you know, in the, the throes of bulimia to becoming a holistic nutritionist, that could not have been an overnight switch. How did that process look like for you to go from one end to the other end? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it was interesting because I think even what's, what's even more interesting is that, um, you know, going to school to be a holistic nutritionist, I was surrounded by people with eating disorders, which is not really a surprise. A lot of people in the health industry do have come from an eating disorder. Um, and there were a lot of people with orthorexia and that but for me I think that I mean part of it is that it's it's like increasing your obsession because again you're getting in you know you're learning information about your body and you're getting more facts to support your your fears and your anxieties so there was a time when I was studying that it kind of got really intense again um, and it was confusing. So it's like I'm doing this for my health but I'm starting to experience a lot more anxiety um, so what I kind of, what I did after I graduated is after a couple months, I actually came to visit my dad in Dubai. Um, and I think at the time for me, it was, it was my way of kind of changing my setting and starting fresh. 
um, when I was in school, I had broken up with my ex who I was with for seven years. So it was like a massive shift. There were all these kind of shifts that were taking place very slowly, but on top of one another. So for me, I think in order to process it, I needed to leave that space and go somewhere new. Um, what of course ends up happening is that after some time in the new space, those things don't just go, they come back up, of course, but it's, you, you've given yourself a little bit of like a new scenery and a new environment in order to then see it from like fresh eyes. So for me, it was difficult. It was a difficult, um, process at the time, but, um, you know, I think it's, it was like, also my intuition was pushing me, telling me to go to Dubai. And obviously coming here has been an incredible gift. I've, you know, met my fiance here and got to develop my relationship with my dad. So there were, again, a lot of beautiful things that came out of it, but it was really painful at the time because I felt like I was betraying my mom, leaving Vancouver and just a lot of other stuff around that. Um, but yeah, I think that that was that journey in itself. I mean, it, I, I, with you, when you, you, you left, you kind of babe, like up and left and went to Colorado, right? Right. Yeah. And it was very, very helpful for me. Yeah. So and I think that for me, it was really helpful as well at first, um, just because I was able to kind of have that new space. And how long have you lived there now? I've been here for just over two years. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. That's so cool. I've, I don't know anything about Dubai, so it's really cool to think that you're there. Yeah. It's a fun, it's a really fun place because it's, um, like about five years ago, my dad's been here for 15 years. So when I used to come visit him, there was absolutely nothing to do with health and wellness and even, you know, being able, like having resources of eating semi-healthy or even natural, good, yummy food. So it was never an option. And then when I came to visit, I realized that it was just starting to expand and like take off. So I just, for through some sort of strange reason that I couldn't make up in my mind at the time, I was called to come here and decided to just do it. Um, yeah, and it's been, it's been amazing because there's a lot of people here that do need a lot of the support and guidance, um, that, it, that it's not as, it's not offered like it is in somewhere like Vancouver that's obviously very saturated with health and wellness, um, professionals. So it's been, um, amazing in that way. Is the culture different there in regards to how people view their bodies, like versus, I don't really know how much Vancouver is like that, but, you know, I'm sure it's very similar to the United States, just like weight loss, women get thin, everyone be skinny, be perfect, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Is it different there? It's it's um, probably the same, if not worse. Really? It's, pretty, it's really intense here, yeah, because, I mean, you do have, you have, on the one side, you have, like, a very high percentage of um, obesity and childhood, child obesity specifically, which is quite upsetting because a lot of the local kind of lifestyle is really sedentary so you're kind of you don't I mean the Dubai is a is a really hot climate so for about six months of the year it's like you know 48 to 50 degrees Celsius so it's really hot you don't go outside so it's kind of supportive of that not moving so on that side you have that but on the other side it's a really metropolitan city there's a lot of fashion going on here um, so everyone's really um, I don't want to say obsessed but you know the image is a, is a really big thing here so yeah absolutely like weight loss and, and looking your best and, and beauty is a big thing for sure so how do you make sure that you don't get triggered by that? Because 
I have to constantly be avoiding people, places, things that trigger me in that kind of way that make me feel like my body's less than, you know, social media, reading the wrong kinds of books or following the wrong kinds of people. Um, how do you personally not fall into that trap? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably a little along the same lines. Like I do, I've created my own sort of grounding space here in Dubai. I don't really take part in a lot of the socialite activities. I don't really go out that much. Um, so I'm not really exposed to it in that way. Um, and then you know, I'll notice when I'm getting a little bit too much supporting that sort of obsessive state. You know, I don't follow social media accounts that are that you know trigger that for me. And even for me, it's a lot of perfectionism around people that are doing really well because that that are in my space that are doing really well. Because part of that is like this whole not feeling worthy, and it's this whole battle of well, this person's doing better, or people like them more, so therefore I'm not worthy. So that's kind of more. Um, my pattern or I guess um, challenge nowadays it's not so much about like looking at people's bodies and, and thinking all oh, like I want that body it's more about like seeing people that are doing really well and being really well received and feeling like I want that which is it's and it's, it's always so funny to me because um, I know that I have what I want but that's when I, I notice when I'm exposed to that too much that I need to kind of reel it in again and reground myself Mm -hmm. it's so funny how we humans work just like from one thing it's like I want that body and then you yeah. are like never mind I want that success <laughs> and yeah. I, I can say this because I do the exact same thing like I don't feel triggered anymore by bodies necessarily I, I mean probably because I limit the amount that I'm exposed to that but like also I am following a lot of you know people in my space and I'm like dang like they're doing well like right. what, what am I doing wrong and then I'm and then I realize like ugh, it's been a month and I've been having that same thought and I just missed a month of my life where I could have just been thoroughly enjoying where I am in my life so right. that's a tricky that's a tricky thing to get um to get handled and to come to peace with yeah and it, I mean it's it's like you know what you do in the way that you do things in one way of your one part of your life is the way you do things in all parts of your life. So, I mean, the, the, again, it's about humility. Like the humbling part of it is like for me to like checking out your, your website and your podcast, I do think like she's doing incredible. So it's like you, there's people around you that are thinking a reflection of just what you're thinking about other people. It's constantly that, you know, flow of energy is always going around, so it's always, it's always just so, it's almost absurd. It's like humans are so funny. Like what you say, we, we do the silliest things, um, you know, and it's all a reflection of what's going on inside. Um, but it's also what we're putting out there as well. Because we're all doing amazing in our own way and, we're, and everything is happening for the right reasons. It's just taking that moment to appreciate it and recognize that these kind of thoughts and obsessions will come up. It's okay just to let them come up. <laughs> really mm -hmm. exactly we're all thinking the same things about each other <laughs> it's so funny I love it um okay so one thing that I did want to touch on is that you you are you an intuitive eater is that right yeah <laughs> so how do you teach your clients to go about this crazy process of intuitive intuitive eating because for some people it can just be so difficult to realize like what you're wanting like that concept what do I want to eat that's that could cause somebody 
to be sitting thinking about that question for hours. So what mm. is one of those first steps that you recommend people do whenever they're beginning their journey of intuitive eating? Right. Good question. <laughs> um, so first, I think part of it is, again, going into the whole craving thing. And especially when you're just starting out, it's like you need to reestablish the connection between your mind and your body because we as a society have been basically conditioned to disconnect our mind and our body through social media, through media, um, through learning. Like we've learned that, you know, have a headache, take a Panadol, you have pain, take a, you know, anti-inflammatory, um, whatever it is, whenever our body gives us a message or a signal, we have learned to take something or do something in order to further that disconnect. So the idea with intuitive eating is really about just reconnecting and it's like a, it's a gradual process. It's not like do this and you will become an intuitive eater. The other thing is like every single person is intuitive. That's always something that's interesting. Like, yes, some of us are a little bit more intuitive than others because of our exposure, the way we brought up people we've been around, but everyone has an intuition. So it's just about, you know, fostering that natural ability. Um, so the first thing, like I said, is about just allowing yourself to eat the food that you're craving. So if you're craving something, eat it and then let it, let it be. Stop, like notice the internal language that's around it and still eat it anyway. Because as, as you gradually do that and practice that method, the, the weight of that um, eating that, that, create, that food will you know, become a little less powerful on you. And then um, from there, you're just, you, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought, cravings. Oh, yeah. So, and then the other thing about it was, um, you know, when you get into, when you're kind of getting further along, is like asking yourself when you think about eating, am I actually hungry? And what am I hungry for? So it's like understanding the emotional relationship that we have with food and potentially looking at maybe why we're eating. Are we eating because we're hungry or are we eating because we're upset or we're stressed out or someone, you know, we're scared of something. So it's, it's really just like small things that work for you. Not everything works for everyone. But it's just recognizing and learning the things, the tools that will help you to reestablish that connection between your mind and your body. Those are great starting points. I love those. Um, definitely listening to your body and what it's finally trying to tell you and like being like, okay, that's fine. I'm not going to judge you for wanting a certain thing or feeling a certain way. So are some of these tips inside of your new ebook? Tell us about that book. That is right. Yeah, they are. Um, so I, my ebook is basically, it's kind of an introduction to Chloe's Countertop. I'm still figuring out the title. I've realized that choosing a title for a book is a very difficult thing to do. It's easier to write it than to choose the title. Um, so, but basically what it is, is it's an introduction to living consciously and intuitive eating. So it's 50 recipes um, that are all plant-based that are my favorite recipes, um, but it's also an introduction to my story, um, eating disorders, the psychology of eating, and, um, you know, kind of about building a, a holistic kitchen. So it's like the steps on how to start to live, uh, like what we're talking about, living a conscious life and, and re re reestablishing that connection to your intuition. Awesome. And where can people find you if they're listening to this and they don't have the show notes pulled up? 
Yeah, so um, I'm pretty present on Instagram. So, But if you search for me on Instagram, it's Chloe's Countertop. And you can also find me on my website, um, www.chloescountertop.com. And there you'll find all my social media handles and everything with Twitter, Facebook, um, YouTube. And my ebook should be, I'll probably be starting to sell it and promoting it in the beginning of April. So, um, and you can also sign up for my Chloe's Countertop community and you'll get lots of information and special gifts and, and um, news on when things are coming out. Awesome. Sounds great. So before we wrap this up, we're going to do a quick fire round. Are you ready? Ooh, okay. Sounds great. <laughs> okay. Number one, what does body freedom mean to you? Love. Does it, oh, do I need to answer with one one word or you can I do can just... whatever you can do one word you can do you know hundred okay. words <laughs> great probably not um, so for me body freedom is just about embracing exactly who you are and how you feel right in this moment so you know noticing your you know fidgeting your body or you know feeling like you don't like the way that clothing fit or whatever it is and just allowing that to be and change, switching the energy around. Mm-hmm. into a space of love what is a must read book oh that's a good question um i've all al- i always really loved the book um portia de rossi's book unbearable lightness um if you're interested in reading about eating disorders and stuff and stories because for me i always love learning about people's stories and connecting with people's stories i think that embracing your story and being able to share it is really about how we connect with each other globally um, and also start to heal yourself. So I found for me, when I was in my thickness of eating disorders, reading Portia de Rossi's book was really helpful for me because it, I just didn't feel alone. And I think that that's really important. Mm-hmm. If you could interview anybody in the world, who would it be? Oh, um, I think I would probably right now interview Elizabeth Gilbert because I just finished reading her book, Big Magic, and I'm like s- s- kind of obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> what is a future dream that you're working towards? Um, I think a future dream is to, for me, it's just, just to con- continue doing what I'm doing and allowing myself to, you know, reach my potential and, um, kind of spread my story and connect with people so that I can help myself but also help others globally. What is the best movie you've watched in the past month? Oh, that's a good question too. Um, I forget. Oh, well, okay, no, I don't forget it. It's called Unity and it's a documentary. Um, it was by the, it's by the producers of Earthlings. Mm. Um, but I, if you haven't seen it, I, I literally tell everyone they need to watch it. Um, a lot of the stuff that it, go, it touches on is kind of a lot of what I work on myself and um, speak about in my ebook. But it's, it's really just about the fact that we are all, we're all the same and we're all connected to one another. Um, and, you know, despite all of the issues in the world, the one um, common thing that is never changing is that we are all we are all one and i just think it's such a phenomenally powerful message and so well done <laughs> i'm going to be watching that today <laughs> please do that Let sounds me know great i will um okay next question favorite way to unwind at the end of a long day uh 
probably cook dinner and have wine with my fiance and maybe and watch like a really good movie comedy (laughs) (laughs) what's a country you visited and loved or a country that you really want to visit um i think it's a tie for me the places that i've visited and loved are portugal and vietnam and place that i really want to go to is um i really want to go to new zealand actually ah that's so cool i'm going there this summer are you yeah oh that's amazing that's the plan i just always yeah i know what you mean it's like yeah i think i'm going but but um i'm just so drawn the nature it just seems like such a natural expansive place that i mean you i feel like if you go there you'll just like be able to breathe and everything in it seems like such a magical place mm-hmm. that's how i feel i mean i'm mostly just obsessed with lord of the rings i have oh, yeah. been since i was i mean i could do a whole podcast over how <laughs> insanely obsessed i was as a child i got grounded from lord of the rings when i was no. a kid because i talked about it too much i my room was like covered with every kind of Lord of the Rings memorabilia that ever existed. And I was just like my freaking out my parents, basically. That is amazing. I have to say though, I'm not surprised as you, like I said, the way that you do one thing is the way you do everything for sure. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. What currently, what is your favorite meal? Mm. Um, I, well, it's super simple, but I think what I've been kind of obsessed with lately is, just having in the morning quinoa with tahini with like fresh figs and cinnamon. And it's so good. (laughs) I just stumbled on it the other day and I was like, this is amazing. So yeah, pretty simple, but. Mm, That sounds really good. I'll have to try it. Yeah. It's a good combo. If you could challenge everyone listening to this to let go of something, what would that be? Um, I would say let go of, let go of inner, let go of your inner judgment so whenever you notice yourself um, picking at something or being critical of something that you're doing or that someone else is doing, um, just let it go. I love it. That's such a great way to wrap up this episode. Chloe, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. And it's actually pretty cool that we got to hear the cafe in the background because it's like I feel like I'm there and it brings a little bit more, I don't know, culture into this episode. <laughs> I'm just bringing Maddie Moon all the way to Dubai. Yep. It's all good. I feel like it. I feel like I'm there. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on. This was a treat. No, thank you so much. I've been really looking forward to chatting, and I'm just so stoked to finally connect. All right, everybody. If you want to go over to her Instagram and her website and get all the show notes for this episode, just go to maddiemoon.com slash mbm89 because this is episode 89. And over there, you'll be able to see all the stuff we talked about today. Uh, Check out all of her links. And that's it for this episode.